a fellow performer who shared the stage with Josephine named Maude Russell uh, more recently had this quote to say about it. The girls needed tenderness, so we had girl friendships. The famous lady lovers, I guess we were bisexual, is what you would call us today. Welcome to Rebels Agenda. This is episode four, where Lindsay, my co-host, and myself, Katrina, are spotlighting bad girls throughout history. Today's baddie is Josephine Baker. Let's talk about Josephine Baker. Who is she? Let's do it. Josephine Baker was known to be a showgirl, activist, and spy. She was an African-American born into poverty in St. Louis in the early 1900s. She began her career by performing in vaudeville showcases around the country, which is essentially a variety show, which has comedy and dancing and singing. And she then actually moved to Paris when she was 19 because she was invited to perform at a show called La Revue Negre alongside her pet cheetah, Chiquita, who was a gift from the president of Mexico. And this cheetah would parade around the stage with her wearing a diamond collar. So she had some glamour. This show was notable for its celebration of black culture and its introduction of jazz music to French audiences. So once that show closed, Josephine was given her own show to headline. And from there, her career really skyrocketed. She was the first African-American woman to star in a motion picture, which is pretty big. I had never even heard of her before, which is um, probably cut that. <laughs> okay. or, or something to talk about. <laughs> it's true. Um, where am I at? Okay. Now, when World War II started, she turned her castle, which was in the south of France, into a major hub of the French resistance against German occupation. So she started to get pretty politically involved. And then the French government asked her to actually work as a spy for the Allies in World War II just by socializing as she did with people who were high up in you know, Germany and Italy and different officials who had information about the war. She carried secret messages that were written in invisible ink on her sheet music, and she'd pass them between some of these different spies. So she returned to America from time to time and one of the things that really bothered her upon returning to the U.S. was, you know, segregation. So she would refuse to perform in front of segregated crowds in big cities like New York and Miami. She ended up adopting her first son from Japan when she was 48 and then adopted an additional 11 children from all over the world. And she called this her rainbow tribe. Then at 57, she was the only woman to speak at the March on Washington alongside Martin Luther King Jr. That fact alone could be enough for a whole episode. Yeah. Finally, she was the first Black woman who was inducted into the French Pantheon in 2020, so just a couple years ago. And this is where the country's most revered luminaries uh, are buried. I need to make sure I'm getting everything that Josephine has done. Actress, sounds like some comedy, general showmanship. Yep. Also a movie actress. Yep. Also, I read she plays trumpet and drums, so a musician. Yep. She also had some singing albums, put out albums. So oh. in the entertainment world, what they call a quadruple threat, just in entertainment. Right. Okay. Political activist. Yep. Spy. Correct. Wild. Civil rights activist. With Martin Luther King Jr. Right alongside Martin Luther King Jr. Is there anything else? Mother of 12. Mother of 12. <laughs> Don't the forget. Rain the Rainbow Tribe. Whew. What a bio. Yeah, no kidding. So we'll start out with our traditional episode question. This 
season is all about bad girls throughout history. Why is Josephine Baker bad? Yeah, this might be the toughest one to answer that Mm -hmm. question for. Josephine is really good at a lot of shit, as we just discussed. Well, first of all, apparently it was more common back in World War II, but Josephine was investigated by the um, FBI. Mm -hmm. And so obviously for for being related to communism. Potential ties to communism, yeah. So someone in the FBI obviously thought that she was bad. Uh, (laughs) That's one. Grasping for straws here. Yep. (laughs) Why else was she bad? Um, I have one. Yeah. She had four marriages. She did, and we so didn't even mention that. We didn't even mention it because it was so, her bio was so packed and her husbands were so like, whatever. Her first marriage was a 13. Right. I don't know who was behind that, but I doubt it was her. Um, yeah, and then she had like two other really short ones. And then finally her last one, the guy she built the Rainbow Tribe with, was like a 30-year successful marriage. Yes. But some people might say that four marriages is not something to be applauded. Right. I don't know. I can't think of any other reason. You mentioned owning a cheetah. Owning an exotic animal. I don't think that animal rights, I don't think it was the same then. It and it sounded like she treated Chiquita really well. Yeah. She had and a like diamond they had a bond. <laughs> right. She had a diamond necklace. She's certainly a badass. That one's easier. 100%. So moving on to our next question, Katrina, mm. of all the accomplishments we listed, what would you say was her greatest? I'm debating between her work as a civil rights activist and her work as a spy in World War II. Okay. But this is something that you mentioned in the bio and that we may or may not cut. You'll be able to know when you listen to this whether or not we decided to cut it. Lindsay mentioned she had never heard of Josephine Baker. Neither had I. So if we've never heard of her, was she really that impactful in the civil rights movement? Did her name just get washed away or swept underneath you know, the glory that is Martin Luther King Jr.'s? And then I think, was she more impactful in in the war then. Maybe she's a household name in France. Yeah, could be. Could be. So I'm leaning toward the spy thing. It mm. sounds like she was super active for many years in World War II, fighting with the uh, the Allies and the French resistance against German occupation, against the Nazis in France. So I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, it's pretty stealthy. And it's something that not a lot of people can claim that they did was to be a spy. Whereas, you know, there are a lot of people who were involved in both entertainment Mm-hmm. And in civil rights movement. Uh, and I think both of those things led to her ability to be a really great spy. So I think that's a good choice. And you're right that a lot of celebrities are activists. Right. And they use their name. Yes. Whereas she was risking her life doing the opposite of not not just speaking of what she believed in and using kind of her platform, but what's it called? Being like, what's the word for like covert? But Well, I, stealthy. Not that. Like a, oh, espionage. Ooh. Espionage. Yeah. It's got some it's got some sexiness <laughs> to it. That's what I was looking for. The spy thing is really that that's like I think part of why we ended up picking her is we're like, okay, showgirl and spy sold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Another thing included in her bio in the Bad Girls Throughout History book is a list of her nicknames, a few of which are Black Pearl, Bronze Venus. And Creole Goddess. I love these. All very complimentary and all playing on and relating to her blackness, which Josephine Baker was very proud to be a black woman, proud of her heritage. And it was like this big component of why the people in France loved her so much and started to appreciate black culture. Yeah. I love that she has so many nicknames. And also in black American culture, nicknames are 
are really huge. So many of my family goes by their nicknames basically only. My grandma calls me Lou. You will not hear her say Lindsay. And hers is Ga. Ga. We, yep, we refer to her as Ga. My sister's nicknames are Sugar Bear and Sweet Pea. So I think it's it's just really cool that she kind of embraced these nicknames that, you know, the culture gave to her and yeah, lived them out. Another thing I noticed about her nicknames, and this isn't necessarily bad, they're all sexy. They are. You know, she's a Venus. She's a, a pearl, a goddess, Showgirl right? That names. feminine power. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of feminine power, this is our first baddie who was bisexual. Yeah, it was rumored that she had an affair with Frida Kahlo. A possible one night stand, right? Yes. Yeah. Who was a famous Mexican painter. They were both known to be bisexual. They had one shared night together. And they the like shared a mill, hotel room, right? They did. Yeah. The rumor mill just went wild mm-hmm. down to the point where we found it in our research. And then a fellow performer who shared the stage with Josephine named Maude Russell uh, more recently had this quote to say about it. The girls needed tenderness. So we had girl friendships. The famous lady lovers. I guess we were bisexual is what you would call us today. Hmm. So it's interesting because I don't know that that word maybe existed at the time. Maybe it did. I don't know. Actually, I just finished reading a book that's really popular right now. It's called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. The main character is bisexual, Mm -hmm. but she did not have a word for it. And she was really, she's like a famous actress in Hollywood in the 60s. So even through the 60s, they didn't have a word for it. That must have been so hard to be bisexual and try to explain to someone, yes, I love women. Right. Yes, I love men. How do I explain this? Yeah. (laughs) And managing those relationships on top of being a showgirl and a spy and a mom and all these other things would have been challenging. Speaking of Josephine Baker as a mother, something that is a possible controversial decision that could be the reason why she isn't a household name in America, why Lindsay and I didn't know her name until we read this book, is she chose motherhood over continuing her activist role in the spotlight. And what happened was after Martin Luther King Jr.'s death, his wife Coretta asked Josephine to continue his legacy and to be the face of the movement. And Josephine said her child or children were too young to lose their mother that way. It's a pretty big no. Because if you're the only woman speaking to a crowd of 250,000 people at the March on Washington and in the nation's capital, alongside Martin Luther King, who is then shot, it's there was so much momentum around this movement. And to be the only woman and then asked by his widow to lead. And I imagine that would have been a really hard decision. It it makes you think about like these gender roles, like Martin Luther King also had children, but he decided to go ahead and be the face of the movement. Whereas and and his children lost him because of it. They did. So she was protecting them from losing their mom. She was protecting herself from the scrutiny that comes with being the face of the movement. Um, And there are so many times in modern day too, where women uh, more often, you know, pull back from impact because of child rearing, which is not in itself a bad thing, but it is a choice. I was thinking if I judged her for that decision, do I look down on her for that decision in any way? Despite the fact that my initial kind of PC reaction is, is no, you know, motherhood is so important. I respect that decision. I'm like, you didn't take over the civil rights movement from Martin Luther King Jr.? Are you serious? But then I thought, I put myself in her shoes. He had just been assassinated. Maybe she just didn't want to risk her life that way because it of her children. It would have been so risky. And that, yeah, just such a hard position to be in. Yeah. 
Then she essentially got this rainbow tribe together of 12 kids from all different countries and kind of made a tour around the U.S. to show what diversity can look like in a family, which I think is still activism in itself. Walking the walk as opposed to just talking the talk, which I think is something that she did really well. And I've been thinking about that as we've been researching her. She wasn't just somebody who, who spoke, even though she did speak at the March on Washington, and I'm sure many other times. She's somebody who adopted 12 kids. I struggle a little bit with the adopting of the 12 kids. I mean, if you think about when Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were adopting all those yeah. you know, little kids from overseas, there's a level of privilege to it. You're so rich, you can just have all these kids and provide for them and feed them. I don't know what kind of help she had caretaking, but I doubt she was you know, 24-7 on the clock for these 12 kids. And you're parading them around. Is is it performative? Her decision to not do the movement because of her dedication to her children says no. Right. And I just, I just struggle with it a little bit. Like why 12? I know. Then again, you know, these could have been kids who like really, really needed somebody and she was able to provide a life that they maybe would have never been able to dream about and traveling and, and health and, and experience. And so, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. She did it big though. I mean, she said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. That she did. A showgirl through and through. Yeah. (laughs) So we know that she was a mother. We know that she was a spy. We know that she was a showgirl. There's really not much in life that this woman did not touch. And I would say she was a bit of a jack of all trades. Now, I typically consider myself more of a jack of all trades and a master of none than like a specialist. Same. Okay. Love that. Um, There are a lot of specialists in my life and I do appreciate them because we need them. That said, I was trying to think about who are other jacks of all trades in modern times that just seem to do everything really well and whatever they touch turns to gold. For me, who comes up is Zendaya, which we talked about (laughs) earlier today, but she's just like, she started on Disney Channel acting. I guess she's continued acting through like uh, Euphoria TV and then has done movies and like uh, Spider-Man and things. And then more recently has been doing some singing. She's, like, isn't she a dancer as well? She's also a dancer because she started on Shake It Up. So it's, it is still all pretty well in this like entertainment realm. But I do think that she's somebody who will continue to. She's so young. She's so young. Like maybe she'll end up as a spy. We don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, it could go a lot of direct. First woman president. Right. You just don't know. Zendaya for president. Yeah. Is there anybody that comes to mind for you? My first thought was specialists are who tend to acquire fame, to be really amazing or to be the best at one thing. Mm -hmm. So to find a famous jack of all trades, Mm -hmm. you have to kind of be the best at several things Mm -hmm. instead of good at all, master of none, which is kind of the bucket we put ourselves into. We (laughs) do. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. The thing about Josephine Baker, she was this amazing entertainer and the quadruple threat and then did all these other things too. And I'm, again, coming up with an answer that is just entertaining. But we're watching that show Beef right now. We are. And Ali Wong is in it. She and is. I didn't even like recognize her for the first 15 minutes, I think because she was such an amazing actress. Totally. And I love her stand-up. And she's also a fabulous writer. And then maybe that you know you go into philanthropy from there and you go into other things. But has anyone else ever been a spy? I don't know. I don't know. I guess we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know. All right, Lindsay, what is your Josephine Baker poem? I know you said this one might be shit, but <laughs> you're going to read it see. anyway. Here's I- why. I'm excited for it. I, okay. I took a master class on poetry by Amanda Gorman. She said that 70 to 80% of poetry writing is editing. 
Okay. You essentially start with the stream of consciousness and then you edit that down to be something beautiful. I wrote this poem like two hours ago. And you wrote it in like five minutes. Right. That plus (laughs) like 5% of it was editing. Mm -hmm. All right. I don't even have a name. (laughs) Josephine Baker, The Rainbow. The Rainbow? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) This poem is called The Rainbow and it's for Josephine Baker. A life more vibrant than a rainbow in the east sky. Her tribe of orphans and celebrities made the best ally. Red, dinner with officers to prevent bloodshed. Orange, her baby cheetah with diamonds adorned. Yellow, sheets of music smuggling secrets at shows. Green, a castle paid in cash fit for a queen. Blue, heavy hearts as segregation grew. Purple, international royalty in first class circles. And pink, a lady lover exiting the stage with a wink. I think just purple needed a little help there. Purple was the rough one. (laughs) But the first like 75% I I felt good about. If you had like one more day to edit, we would. 10 out of 10. I appreciate yeah. it. That is Josephine Baker. We hope that you enjoyed all that her life had to offer. We know we did. Tune in next week to learn about a very impressive individual. First woman to win a Nobel Prize. So we are going science next week. Yeah, we are. And science! Gonna, gonna read about some physics and uh, bring you on the journey with us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review or a rating. Let us know what you think and we can't wait to talk to you soon. See you next time.